Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. I am so excited today. I've got the executive producer of the Stephanie Miller Show, Travis Bone, here. I love him. He's so great. I can't wait to talk to him. But before we get into it, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, listener-funded, and woman-run. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup to see the variety of tiers offered, including the option to get two bonus What's Up episodes per week. Kind of like my online journal where I get a little more personal and talk about whatever is on my mind. There's also an ad-free tier with a much shorter intro. Just visit patreon.com dot com slash start me up now please enjoy my conversation with travis bone welcome to the show travis hi kimberly how are you doing today i'm good and i'm especially good because you're here well thank you i'm sorry I, I didn't mean to mess up your schedule last week i i, I heard Aww. that you at the last minute panicked when you realized that it was not my week to be on the show yeah i was like oh no i was like, just <laughs> la 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 and then but you know that's the, the great thing about sarah wood is that she does the social media stuff so she's often home and in case I need her. And so it's like, I don't want to just, you know, have her around just for the in case guest, but I figure it happens often enough that, you know, she can do it. So I just take advantage. But yeah, that was my, that was my bad, just completely forgetting the date, but you were on vacation, right? I was on vacation. We and, and you know you you probably could have contacted me anyways because we were down in San Diego and the weather was not great. Oh really? So we were mostly just hanging out at the house. But it was it was nice to just not get up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and not and not watch MSNBC all day. Right. So okay, now I want to ask you. We're going to talk about politics and all that stuff. But before we get into the politics, I just want to talk about you and just get to know you more. My listeners get to know you more. So yeah, you you wake up at four o'clock in the morning for work. So when you're on a day off, what time do you sleep until? During typically, I, I will still wake up around six a.m. Mm-hmm. To me, six a.m. is sleeping in. I know that sounds foreign to most people. <laughs> um, but during the vacation last week, I did get a couple of days where I slept until almost eight o'clock, wow. which is amazing for me. Yeah. And so what time do you usually go to bed when you're working? Uh, well, I'm doing the show for Stephanie, I usually try to go to bed by nine o'clock. Wow. Is that and hard? These days, it's like that's kind of standard for me. Even on <laughs> <laughs> but like for me, it would be I remember I used to have this job where I sold industrial chemicals or no, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, it was that as well as janitorial chemicals. And so there was this one particular job situation I was in where like my company, it was a janitorial supply, right? So we would assess, I guess, like an entire school. We would literally measure everything. We would measure oh everything, like classrooms that needed to be cleaned. We'd have to measure them and bathrooms and closets and all of that. And then we would feed it into this computer and it would like, I don't know, you, you would get some kind of cleaning schedule that you could give to the janitors. And so my job was that I had to go measure all this crap and oh, that, I, yeah, it wasn't fun. And uh, I used to think it didn't matter what you sold, but it kind of does. So anyway, <laughs> I the guy who was the head of maintenance wanted me to be there at five o'clock in the morning, which meant that I had to wake up at like three. And yeah. oh my god, I did. Nobody told me this when they hired me that this might happen. <laughs> and it's like it absolutely would have been a deal changer, but uh, I did find out the hard way. It was really upset. I mean, and then and so I need nine hours of sleep. Like I need it. I don't always get it, but that's when I run the best. And so I would try to get to bed like at seven and I just felt so jilted. I felt like I was missing out on so much. So like does going to bed at nine o'clock make you feel like you're missing out or are you just totally used to it? I feel like, especially in the, like the Stephanie Miller world, I feel like I'm the person who has the closest to a normal sleep schedule <laughs> because I, I, Chris goes to bed at like 5 p.m. Wow. And Stephanie goes to bed 
around six, but wow. you know, I've, I've got Dylan and like, you know, we're usually having dinner at six and we yeah. watch some TV and I go to bed after TV. So I, I feel like I had the most normal schedule and I usually get about seven hours of sleep. Although these last two days I've had nightmares both nights about my alarm going off. Oh, wow. <laughs> on, on Monday night, coming back from vacation, I literally had a dream where my alarm went off and I was reaching, trying to grab my alarm. And Dylan was holding onto my arm because he didn't want me to leave. Oh. <laughs> and then I woke up from that dream and he was not holding my arm and my alarm was going off. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, so, I mean, it's got to be fun working at the Stephanie Miller show. What I just want to know, like, how did that even happen? You know, it's it's funny. I haven't told the story in a long time. I was listening to Stephanie long before I moved to L.A. Mm -hmm. And when I moved up here, a friend of mine reached out and he said, hey, do you know this show, The Stephanie Miller Show? I was like, yeah, I listen to it in the morning all the time. And he's it's a friend of mine from San Diego who's like into bodybuilding and all that stuff. He's like, well, I've been talking to Chris Lavoie. He's the producer of the show. And Chris and I connected. We're talking. This is back in like 2006 and um, would hang out every once in a while. We're friends on Facebook. And when Rebecca, the former call screener, was leaving, um, she did all the guest booking and all the call screening for the show. She was associate producer. When she mm -hmm. was leaving, Chris posted on Facebook, um, is anyone interested in this? And I had a background in working uh, for the newspaper in San Diego mm -hmm. and was really into politics and stuff. And I did have some, some broadcast experience. So I said, hey, I'd kind of be interested in this. And I went in for an interview the next day, and they offered me the job on the spot. Wow, that's so cool! That's yeah, was that two thousand six. That was two thousand twelve. So 2000, it was. Okay. I mean, I'd known Chris for six years prior gotcha. to. Wow, that's really cool. Now, were, and you were were you living in? Oh no, wait, 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 wait! You said you moved up to LA. Had you been living in San Diego? Yes, I went to. So I just timeline for me was I grew up in Fresno, uh, lived there until I was eighteen. I. Uh, moved to San Diego to go to school at UC San Diego and I graduated and stayed. So I was in San Diego from 93 to 2006. Wow. And then I've been in LA ever since. Now, okay, so of Fresno, San Diego, and LA, what's your preference and why? Um, I love LA. I know that that like most people do not understand that. Most people, <laughs> I, I know LA gets a bad rap. Mm -hmm. Even people in San Diego have this like really bad image of what LA is like. Um, but I, you know, I like the energy, mm -hmm. you know, I met my husband here. I made some great friends here. It did take me a while to get used to LA. I mean, mm -hmm. the first year I lived here, I probably went down to San Diego every other weekend <laughs> to hang out with my friends. And I owned a yeah. house down there. I still own a house down there. Right. So it was, it was a, I could, it didn't cost me anything to go down there. Yeah. And I could see my friends. I played in the gay softball league down there. And it wasn't until I started um, playing beach volleyball up here on the weekends that I started staying in LA more hmm. and kind of that's, and that's where I developed my, my basically my friend circle here in LA was playing beach volleyball. And what is it about? Because I mean, I miss LA and I lived there for a long time. I was there from 1977 basically until, well, with a few, few rare breaks in between, but, um, I lived in Russia when I was 12 for, you know, like nine months or whatever. Once yeah, full I know, I remember that. And then I lived in Maryland for six months for a while. And then I would come back and stay with my dad in the summers. But, you know, I was living there. So I think I moved from L.A. to Northern California in 2009. So 77 to 2009. I was all over Los Angeles. I lived everywhere. But um, and I did have the I hate L.A. proper thing. I really did. But there's certain mm -hmm places in like for instance i love i do love the san fernando valley i think i like the places that aren't considered cool but and i love pasadena that's cool though um yeah no we were just out there this weekend at a friend's house barbecuing so i know it's lovely out it's there it's so gorgeous so what is it that you love about it you know um it's fun going back saying you know moving from fresno which is a very small and also very conservative town mm. Going to San Diego, San Diego felt like, oh, I'm in the big city. This is a big city. And then I moved to L.A. and I learned what a big city really is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I, I feel like living in San Diego kind of prepared me for this gotcha, and kind of got yeah. me ready to that bigger city mentality. And um, when I moved to L.A., I moved up here because I wanted to work in the entertainment industry and I wanted to be a writer. That didn't work out the way I wanted to. Right. But I was working at 20th Century Fox in their home entertainment finance division <laughs> for a number of years and um, got to go have lot, lunch on the lot and stuff every day. So th that's kind of like how I 
how LA built up for me and how I ended up gotcha. here. Yeah. But um, the, the thing I like about it, I live in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, I've lived in LA um, since 2006 and I've never lived in West Hollywood proper because it's this weird little island in the middle of Los Angeles. <laughs> and the, 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 the boundaries and the lines for it so my first apartment here was just outside of West Hollywood. My second apartment was like one block north of West Hollywood. The last street I lived on before I moved in with Dylan was like the one street in this neighborhood that was not considered West Hollywood. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but I but now I finally live in West Hollywood, and it's and I've kind of like I haven't moved more than a mile from where I initially yeah. lived at when I moved up here. But it's, I'm finally in West Hollywood, and I love that I come home from work. I park my car. I can walk to the gym. I can walk to the grocery mm, store. I can walk yeah. to the re- like most of the restaurants that I want to mm-hmm. go to. Um, everything's walking distance, and yeah. that's I, I love living in a city like that because I grew up in the country where there was nothing near mm-hmm. me. So yeah. right. my that's mom, been like the biggest thing for LA. Is just, I love living in a walking. city where I can just walk yeah. everywhere. My mom loved that. We used to live in Glendale, and it, we were living by the mall in Glendale. This is okay. obviously a long time ago, but. I mean, there was Brand Boulevard, which was tons of restaurants and shops, and the mall was like right around the corner, so you could just literally walk everywhere. And yeah, you know that it's it is it's really nice because like where we were living, it was residential, but at the same time, it was walkable and it was really fun. And I miss it. I mean, I ask all my LA people. I kind of just like live vicariously through all of you because I just miss it. I miss it a lot. I mean, I I feel like living on the East Coast is good for some you know in some ways i absolutely love the fall here oh my god i love it but it's like lasts for five seconds you know it's like my very favorite season is the shortest season of all but i do love like especially like i know here in august it's like maybe at the end of august we start getting a hint that the weather's going to change whereas in california august is really hot and then you're heading into like super hot september super hot october and i know that like here you're you know we're winding down so i always like feel like oh okay well i'm glad i'm on the east coast now yeah (laughs) but then in the summertime difference the weather is uh, (laughs) oh my god but the sun the summer's the worst i hate it and it feels like it's (laughs) summer for the longest and um but and we had a really mild winter this year it was so mild so and see, we've had the craziest winter this year. I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, today feels like winter again. It's, really? um, it's like 60 degrees. It's cloudy and overcast. Um, the last two days it's been 70 and it's been sunny and clear and beautiful, but yeah. like it, it, we've, I'm sure you've seen all the reports about the rain and the snow and yeah. everything out here. I have never like, I, I'm still wearing long pants to work. And usually by March mm-hmm. I'm wearing, um, shorts to work. Hmm. Wow. It's 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 the weirdest thing this year as far as like the weather is concerned. So, and it's like it's LA cold, which is like in the fifties. It's not that cold. I know LA cold. <laughs> well, but, you know it does get cold at night. So yes, it'll get it'll get down into like the sometimes the forties, even the thirties at night in the in the coldest yeah. parts of the seasons. But yeah, I know. I mean, I just so I I, I ugh, it's so hard. I miss it. Like I knew I was gonna miss it. But I didn't expect to miss it in the way that I do. But I also feel like I kind of miss my experience there. And there are certain experiences that I don't want to have there anymore. Like, I don't like the fire situation. And, you know, as you know, Bob and I were in that horrendous fire in Northern California. I mean, we weren't in it, but it was so close to where we lived. And, of course, we had to breathe the air and all of that. So um, I don't miss any of that. But. It's yeah, just, no. Fire season is one of those things when, yeah. and, and we last year was really mild. It was the one two years ago yeah. when um it was when everything was in lockdown. Yeah, and there were the George Floyd protests mm-hmm. going on everywhere, and so everything shut down. Everything's boarded up, and then there's the protests, and then all of a sudden we got hit with fires. And like L.A. never looked more apocalyptic. Wow. Than it did in that because like I said, all the buildings were boarded up, mm-hmm. and then everything was shut down because of COVID, and then you would go like days without seeing the sun because there was so much smoke in the sky wow. and you just just everything smelt like smoke yeah. i mean you understand that you've yeah. been in the fire in those fires up north yeah well yeah, and like, and i was i mean it, before i moved from la to northern california i lived in northern glendale and i don't know if you remember i'm sure you must remember but it was i think it was called the station fire and yep. at that time it was the largest one in california's history of course it's already dwarfed by other ones now but oh yeah um and it was the san gabriel mountains and my apartment was like all window and it faced 
those mountains. And so I was getting robocalls and, you know, make sure your car is packed up. So that was, uh, I remember days and days and days, it was like 106 degrees. And yeah. it was it was so hot and it was just so awful and the air was awful. And I remember it was so funny because, you know, I, I kind of felt because of where I lived, although I did live on a hill, my hill wasn't on fire, though. But I yeah. felt what that where I was living, I thought, well, maybe I'm kind of safe. So I started to chase the fires, not like literally chase the fires, but I went up into the neighborhoods. Uh, you know, I guess it was like La, La Cañada, the really nice neighborhoods. And I asked a fireman. You know, what are the chances thinking, oh, he's going to tell me I'm safe. And I'm like, what do you, I pointed to where I lived and I was like, what are the chances the fire is going to make it over there? And he looked at me, he's like, it could happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. man, okay, but it can. And, and I did learn, I mean, again, I was up on a hill. It, my hill wasn't on fire. So yeah. it could have just, you know, it could have been that hill that caught fire. But um, I don't know. It was just, I, I saw when we were in Northern California and that it was a, firestorm so it was like 80 mile 80 mile an hour winds and they just took the the sparks over the freeway and like whole neighborhoods in the flats were obliterated it was insane it looked it talk about apocalyptic just gone so yeah i mean i've i've experienced it and i mean i lived in la for all those years so i mean i remember there was one time driving up the five freeway into santa clarita and both sides of the mountains were burning it was just like crazy I had there was there was a there, there, what, the last year's fire season wasn't that bad, but driving yeah. back one time from Fresno, um, I I drove through the fires in the mm-hmm. like like you're talking about like Santa Clarita Grapevine, yeah. yeah, and it was so weird to like go by and like I'm driving, not a smart thing in the world, but I'm driving <laughs> plenty of my phone out the window and taking pictures where you could see fire <laughs> no, outside. We all do it. So I, could, so I could send to my mom and say like, look what I saw. And I made it home okay. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I did the same thing. Because I was driving up on Angeles Crest Forest because it was on fire. And I mean, oh, yeah. I wasn't close, that close to the fire. Like I wasn't in any danger. And if I, and I did kind of just hold my phone out the window as I was driving, like, oh my God, this yeah. was insane. So it's, I don't it's, it's, miss that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm afraid we're going to have a really bad fire season yeah. this year because all the rain means mm-hmm. everything grows, and then it's gonna summer's going to hit. Everything's going to die and dry out, and yeah. in the fall, I'm I'm really worried about fire season this year. Yeah, I don't blame you because I am too. I mean, I don't live you, there. You but... you know it. You, yeah, you know what it's like. And it's gonna, there's going to be so much fuel, so yeah. it'll be it's going to be interesting this year. Yes, it will. Okay, we got to take a quick break, but we'll be back after this message. Hey, this is Kimberly. If you're not already my patron, just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. You can take a look at all the tiers and decide how you want to support the show. Thank you so much. Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families, I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Aaron Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, you know what? I want to kind of take this opportunity to delve into some politics. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I have the TV on in my bedroom. It's on mute. Okay. But um, the the jury has reached a verdict (gasps) in the Trump civil rape case. Oh my God! So we don't know what it is yet. We don't know what it is, but the the a verdict has been reached, and that means they've only been deliberating for a couple hours. Yeah, so that seems to bode well for Eugene, doesn't it? I I would think so. Although I don't know if you saw there this morning, there was a story that came out that I guess they one of the questions that they profiled the jury with was where they got their news. Right. And one person in the jury said that. Oh, I get it mostly from social media and I listen to podcasts and he cited like this right wing podcaster who like Trump had invited to the White House. And so everyone was kind of like, oh, crap, does that mean that we're going to have that one person's going to ruin the or spoil the jury pool? But if they reached a a verdict this quick. Well, and just to add to that, because I saw that and I'm looking for it right now because I know I retweeted it. um, I can't find it, but. Somebody and you know somebody commented because I think it was Mueller she wrote that I retweeted. Yeah, and I, um, she said some. This woman came on and commented and said that I think that person wasn't chosen for the jury. So I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not clear okay. about this. 
I don't know if that's absolute or not. So just okay. FYI. But um, yeah, I, I saw that and I had that story ready to talk about. I'm, but yeah, if they've reached a verdict, oh my God. And I'm just going to share this because it's just for shits and giggles. But okay. when, in, you know, I, whenever there's like an election and I freak out and if, if there's a jury, if, if the jury, if I'm sorry, I can't even talk today. I'm so excited because I wanted you <laughs> to win. But if they come back with a verdict, please interrupt me. Um, yeah, I'm just I, like I said, they're they're talking about it on the news right now. So um, right, I, I, I'm assuming that they'll it'll be a little bit before we hear the verdict. Itself. Yeah, probably. So okay, before elections, I get nervous, and then I start looking up psychic predictions about whatever elections. I just I, <laughs> I do it all the time, and it doesn't mean I believe it. It just means you know, I mean, I do believe in people who I do believe in psychic ability, but I don't believe all the people who say they're psychic. So that's you know put that aside but anyway so just for shits and giggles i always look it up it's not shits and giggles because i always get scared right i'm always scared as we approach elections and it's like oh no and so i get all freaked out and i start you know looking for all these predictions and whatnot so i in 2020 i found this site and it's a bunch of psychics it's i don't know how many of them but a lot of them so i guess they all meditate on certain questions and then they have like a sentence and they'll come back and basically you know let's just say there's 20 psychics so for 2020, the collective predicted Trump would lose. The collective predicted that in 2022, Democrats would either win or not lose as bad as, you know, what we were hearing with that red wave stuff. So okay, they were, so psychics are doing good right now. They were pretty good. And there have been other things, like there was somebody who predicted, and I don't remember who it is, but somebody predicted that in, I think they said July of last year, and so they, I think they predicted it in January that in July, or they predicted it the year before, that we would hear that Roe was going to be overturned. So that person was accurate. So, oh, of geez. course, there are people who are not, you know, they've gotten things wrong. But I like it because they put the predictions up, and then you can have those predictions and see if they come, you know, to pass. So somebody, one person, predicted Eugene was going to win. And, okay. um, I, you know, again, for what it's worth, I don't know. But I'm pretty, I'm hopeful. You know, it's like, please. I, no, me too. I, I, it, it seems like such a, a, a slam dunk. And they're saying yeah. that the verdict is going to be read at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern time. So oh, wow. we're going to have about six five minutes. minutes. It's going to be, it's 2.54 here. Oh my God. See, Bob's always, he's going to be pissed off because he's already finished, <laughs> he finished his show. He recorded a show for the day, didn't he? <laughs> so it's the thing with him. I don't usually do a show that's like about breaking news or anything like that. So it's never right. an issue for me, but uh, we might actually break news on this show. But I know it's, it's feeling that way right now. Yeah, but but it's still a pre-recorded show. So, <laughs> but oh my god, yeah, please! It's not live. But go anyways. go 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 go, Elon! Uh, Elon! Oh my god, I said Elon. See, my brain. I told you before we started the show, I didn't get enough sleep last night, so I'm my brain is kind of only half capacity today. So, Eugene, Eugene, not the other name. <laughs> right, we, the, the name whose name shall not be spoken. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so I was, you know, there it is. That I was going to bring that thing up that you were talking about, and it was, I think it was. T- Tim Pool, who he said that he uh, it, that's yeah. it. I couldn't think of the name to save right. my life off the off the top of my head. There's there's there, I have a garbage can of knowledge in my head, Kimberly, <laughs> and a lot of it is filled with the names of superheroes and their alter egos and transformers. <laughs> so the fact that I can remember anything is a is a miracle because I, I see and hand so much information off to Stephanie. Wow. Yeah, every day. I so imagine. yeah, no. But as soon as you said Tim Pool, the, the name Pool, I I had that in my head, but right. I could not think of the first name to save my life. <laughs> oh my god! All right, well, we're gonna you you, you can keep watch on Eugene, and, um, <laughs> it, and it's just in the background on mute. So okay. as soon as I see a verdict, I'm gonna let you know. Gotcha. How's that sound? That sounds awesome. And I'm just gonna assume that she's gonna win. Okay, so I'm yes. a little worried. I, it, it seems that the republic. Well, it doesn't seem the Republicans are playing chicken with uh, the debt ceiling. And I guess they yes. want to get out. They, they want it now. I know they want to get rid of climate legislation, which uh, Biden's like, fuck, you know. And I don't know if they do uh, this whole thing with cuttering. I told you my brain isn't working. Cutting veterans pay. Does that have to do with um, the debt ceiling thing? Is that part of the negotiation or they just want to cut veterans because they're cruel? Do you know the answer to that? Because I don't know. I- my understanding is it is a part of their uh, of their, their debt ceiling package. Okay, is these across the board cuts? Okay, that that hit everything, including uh, veterans benefits. Right. So now, with that in mind, do you have any kind of? Do you anticipate what's going to happen? Do you think the Democrats are going to give in 
in order because I mean this is this would affect obviously people who work for the government, veterans pay, social security, all this stuff if 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 the government doesn't work, if they stop if, if there's this whole big, you know, closing down of the government if they can't agree on anything. What do you think is gonna happen? You know it, it, I, I'm at the point now where I just there's I, I don't I can't put anything past Republicans right right now. I don't mm-hmm. think that McCarthy really has much of a caucus that he can do anything with. Yeah. Um, and I think the only way this is going to get done is if he makes some sort of deal with the Democrats to get their votes, because I mean he barely yeah. got this through. I think it was like by one vote, wasn't it? Yeah. I and so, so the fact that it's it's that close for him, um, I, I don't see him being able to hold his caucus together personally. Um, but I don't, but at the same time, I don't know if they're going to compromise or if they're going to, if they're going to give in on this thing. Um, and then yesterday I was listening to, um, or over the weekend, Jamie Raskin was talking about how Biden can just use the 14th amendment right? and and get around this whole thing. And I'm, I'm kind of at the point right now, let's like, you know, let's find out, let's put this to the test, have him do it. And if Republicans try to like, you know, overturn it, it'll go to the Supreme court and somebody will have to decide on it. But at least until that point. You know we're we're not gonna you know plow through the debt ceiling. Yeah. Um, that's that, that's kind of what I hope. But I but I'm also speaking of someone whose mom is represented by Kevin McCarthy in Congress. So <laughs> it's so it's just so upsetting. You know I mean I'm so sick and tired of feeling like they are terrorizing us. But you know yeah. it's not coming to an end anytime soon, it, at all. And no. it's, I'm so sick of it. It's just, and, I'm, and I'm, my eyes are fucking peeled on my computer screen now. I'm just like, it, some people are calling it and saying that he's guilty, but I don't see anything official. Yeah, no, I, I have not seen anything official right now on MSNBC. Uh, Glenn Kirshner is talking, which means they haven't read the verdict yet. Because right. I mean, they'll go back to the reporters. Exactly. Who are oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, oh my God, this is so exciting. But it's like, it's like the biting your nails thing. And you know, let, let's just go back to E. Jean just for one second because I do want to sure. say that she's so amazing. Uh, the she should obviously she should never have been put in this position. He raped mm-hmm. her, and I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and believe her. Um, but it's like one of the things that I think is coming from this trial that's very positive is that she's kind of highlighting rape culture and how how rape survivors are treated. Yeah. Um, and I think it's 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 coming at such an important time because I when I started getting involved in politics, you know, we were having this discussion about rape culture. And so that was like 2012. And yeah. now here's here's this high profile woman going against this huge huge big huge profile profile man yeah and i just think that even though i wish this didn't ever happen to her what she's doing is so important and so brave and i and i think that i think he's going to be found guilty i really do and then he's going to have to fucking go on cnn i know i that fucking town hall I was joking yesterday or this morning on the show. I was saying, I hope that they actually wait until tomorrow to read the verdict right before his CNN town hall. <laughs> so you really get his really just raw, unfiltered yeah. response to it. Or he cancels the, the right. whole interview. Well, somebody, who was it? Um, I don't know who. I, don't, I think it was a right winger, but I'm not sure. Th- thinking that this was going to actually help Donald Trump, which I don't see how this would help him. Because, I mean, we're dealing with... You know, fuck CNN for having this town hall, but yeah, the independents are the one who matter right now because we've got the base that they're never going to go. What you know, they're just they're going to be idiots. They're going to vote for yeah. Trump or they're going to vote for whoever the nominee is. But then there's all these independents, and then there's just you know, I mean, I, I say the base and I mean the MAGA base because there yeah. are Republicans out there that will vote for Biden. So yes. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about that base. They're always going to, but but in the town hall watching Donald Trump he's indicted he's hopefully been you know convicted of rape I mean how does that vote for him he's he could still easily get the nomination but I don't think that this gets him a win in 2024 well it's like everyone keeps saying you know politics is about is about about math and it's about addition yeah and I don't see Trump doing anything to add to his base right now no, if, not, if anything, he's dividing the Republican Party even more right now. He's it's it's kind of funny. I was thinking over the weekend that what we're seeing right now is Republicans fighting Republicans 
I mean, he, yeah. he, 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 he was, he's been all over true social today yeah. and he went on a big street about Rupert Murdoch and Paul Ryan and, you know, going after Fox news. And I really think he is breaking the party apart right now. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's good. I don't think it's going to be to his benefit in the end. I think he's, mm-hmm. he's solidified his base, but those people were, they were there and they were never you know, going to go away. You know, it's so fascinating. I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to get too into detail. And I, I just, I'm just like waiting for you to go. Oh, we've got it. But anyway, um, <laughs> in 2015, I had a dream. This very, I believe, it was a prescient dream, and it was an, a, it was like a massive elephant head in my living room. It was just the head, and mm-hmm. it was gasping for breath, and then it died. And I felt like, oh my god, how am I going to get this out of my house? And the, you know, the only way to do it is to chop this up in little bits and it's messy and gross and bloody or to just like lift the roof off and, and carry the big head out that way. That was the only way to get it. And, and I was like, I was so afraid after I had this dream because I kept thinking, I didn't think in terms of the Republican elephant. I was just mm-hmm. thinking in terms of the benevolent elephant. And then it just occurred to me. You know, at some point, Trump became the nominee, you know, and then uh, Lindsey Graham. And, you know, if he becomes the nominee, it's going to ruin the party. OK, that's what happened. He He's the head of the party. And I yeah. think he's killing the party. And and then what we're left with cleaning up the mess. And I think that's that that was the dream I had. I mean, I don't usually have Prussian dreams, but I swear to God, that one was a Prussian dream. <laughs> we are but in I... this process now. Trump isn't dead, but I think in a way, like you said, it's math. And how do you add people on? I don't think he's going to add anybody on. Yeah, and and and, and we're much to what you just said. We are we are dealing with the mess right now because yes. what what we have in the house right now is mm-hmm. th- that's the that's the remnants of Trump yes. and Trumpism. Um, the Senate's a little bit more normalized over there on that side. I mean, they're still pretty much in lockstep as a party. But the, the the House Republicans to me are that's the shit show mess, right, yeah. you know, that's going on right now, and and it's it you know they've got Kevin McCarthy like literally by the balls right now because he can't he can't do anything to piss off more than five people because then he could lose his speakership. Yeah, um, I wow. really don't think I, I I'm I'm curious about how soon he will step down as speaker because i feel like there's gonna be a a call for no confidence on him fairly soon at this point yeah i mean i think it's gonna happen i think that's gotta happen yeah no i don't i don't i don't see him being i don't i don't know if he can get through this debt ceiling thing i don't because his party isn't strong enough no no he it isn't and he's just such a freaking i don't know if you saw or not there is i the democrats apparently put something into play months ago to be able to force a vote on a clean debt seal. <laughs> they filed some paper. They filed some paperwork months ago that they can do a. Di- I believe it's a discharge p- petition where they just need to get like five Republicans to vote with them mm-hmm. and say, "Yeah, we want it. We we just want to hold this vote and let's see how it turns out. And if they win, they can get that pushed out, and wow. then it goes to the Senate, and we'll have to see what happens over on the Senate side. You know, because then then they might the Republicans might not balk at it. Yeah. You know, they might say like, "Yeah, let's just do this. Let's push this through and get it taken care of." Oh my God, I'm just like, I'm on pins and needles now. But okay, so I'm going to bring up something completely different. Okay. And I'm just wondering what you have to say about this too, because this is really bothering me. Um, this All this SCOTUS news, right? So we find out that, you know, it's Harlan Crow and um, L- Leonard Leo, these big, big, big money guys. They are extreme conservative, extremist conservatives, yes. and they are buying these justices. And I prefer to call him Leo Leo, just for the record. <laughs> Leo, Leo. So it's, you know, okay, let's just say 10 years ago, somebody might suggest, hey, there might be, you know, wealthy donors out there buying off the Supreme Court. God forbid you say anything like that. If there's no proof of it, God forbid, even liberals will shut you down. Because I remember, you know, like when the Tea Party got in and people like Ted Cruz were coming up and we were seeing some of these extremists that were, you know, are really thriving now and they were being compared to Nazis. Now, uh, and you weren't even allowed to say that you weren't even allowed to compare people to Nazis. And I get it in that. Okay. We weren't, they're not, they have not, or, you know, 
in 2012, well, what he, they got in 2010. So starting from then, nobody has been sent to their deaths, right? Of course, we sure. haven't had that kind of Nazism. But what led to that is the political ideology that these people have. And you weren't allowed to say it, even though it was true. If you said it on Facebook, you'd get kicked off. If you said it in a certain company, you would get you know, criticized for, for being extremist or hyperbolic. But it wasn't mm -hmm. hyperbolic. It was actually true, and we're seeing it play out in front of our eyes now. And now you can say Nazi everywhere. Nobody kicks you off for saying Nazi because we all know that's how they're behaving. That's the political ideology they have. What they do may be different when, than what German Nazis did, but it's still the same political ideology. It's anti-democracy, anti-LGBTQ, you know, anti-women, anti-people of color, all of that. Yeah. And, and so... With what's happening with the SCOTUS, we find out when it's too late. Well, it's yeah. too fucking late now because Roe has been overturned. And yeah. so I just feel like, I don't know, I think we have to toughen up a little. Like, this whole idea of polite society is important, but not mm -hmm. to the, you know, to the point where we ignore huge red flags and then shame people for bringing up those red flags, only later to find out that those red flags are real. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It just pisses no, me I, off. <laughs> no, I, t I, t I totally get what you're saying. And it's, you know, I mean, first of all, it's like you were talking about, like, just the, the Nazi thing. It's like now a lot of them are proud to wear that label yes. of Nazi. I mean, like the, this, this shooter down in Texas over the weekend, swastika SS tattoos on him. Yes. You know, um, that Nick Fuentes is very proud of that. You know, it, it's it, it is. And and the Republicans know that that's their base, so they can't piss them off. Right. Um, I think like with the, with in terms of like we, we, they've been talking about like red flag laws mm -hmm. and um, background checks and things like that. I think the reason Republicans don't want red flag laws or background checks is because most of their people would not be able to pass either. Right. Because wow. if you start looking at their social media accounts or if you start looking at, you know, either their criminal record yeah. or if they're, you know, abuse <laughs> or violence, because we know that like misogyny goes hand in hand with mm -hmm. a lot of these shooters. It's I, I, I don't know if <laughs> I think that's the reason why they're so. So, yeah, they know that their base is Nazis. I OK, mean, we've, we've got the verdict. It is no on rape. Yes. On sexual abuse awarded E. Jean Carroll two million. OK, so that, they haven't even shown that on the screen yet. So you, you heard that before I did. <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know what the rape situation. I don't know if I don't know why they said no on rape obviously i don't know what that means but at least he was found guilty of sexual abuse so yeah for what that's worth okay um yeah okay now getting back getting back to this conversation but, but back to the supreme court piece yeah. of it too because yeah i mean remember how much they told us it was activist judges that made gay marriage legal right yes back in the day that was like their whole thing oh activist judges activist judges and it's like no, now we're seeing what act. It's it's this whole thing of Republicans. They they telegraph exactly what they're doing. Yeah, you know they they <sighs> accuse us of activist judges, even mm -hmm. though it was a majority of the court, mm -hmm. and it was not along party lines right. that validated gay marriage or made made gay, gay marriage legal. Now they've got this vote. I mean, like, and they said, you know, we've got control of the court now. We can have these. Um, we can make these decisions. Let's push these cases through. They were they were they've been building towards this for mm -hmm. so long yeah well that's it i mean aside from that okay we've got the Koch brothers funding you know local state houses and local races and yep. i i hate to bag on the democrats but this they have fallen short when it comes to things I'm, they're finally getting it now which is good yeah. but it was all right there for us to see i mean we were all talking about the Koch brothers back in 2012 we were saying don't you know, don't buy their toilet paper and they are paying off the Republican Party. And we're seeing it more and more and more and more is coming out. My question is like, OK, ProPublica has found all this stuff about, uh, you know, Thomas. Why why wasn't there anything before this? There were certainly red flags before this, but nobody was investigating when they investigated it. They found some shit out. And so yeah. we're looking at the Republican Party and it's like right now are I don't know if you're watching, but Bob and I are watching. um White House Plumbers. Have we have not that started one? that yet. Well, but uh, it, it is on our list. I, I feel like we've been we've seen so many because um, what was right. it last year? There was the uh, the Julia Roberts one. Yeah, Gaslit, which was great. Yeah, 
Yeah. So it's kind of like, I'm like, do we really need another one this I know. soon? I know. Well, Bob really wanted to watch it. And I said, okay. So the first show was good, but the second show was really good. And I got to say, Justin Thoreau is kicking ass as Liddy. And I didn't, I loved the guy who played Liddy in Gaslight. Oh my, or oh, Gaslight. He was, he was so fucking awesome. And I want there to be a movie called Liddy and I want him to play Liddy. But, um, <laughs> but I, you know, so at first for me, Justin Thoreau was slightly disappointing because I think the other guy's a little bit more um, caric- like a caricature, um, yeah. although he was very, he was so entertaining. And I think Justin Thoreau is much more very specific. And Bob used to work with um, Gordon Liddy. So yeah, that I'm familiar with. Yeah. So he's he knows the guy. He knows how he sounds. And I guess there was this one um, scene last night where whatever he said. Bob was like, oh, my God, he just nailed it. He sounded just like him. But he's doing a good job, and it, it is a good it is a good show. Um, I will say this, and this is a spoiler for anybody watching the show, so just move your dial, you know, to, like, 20 <laughs> seconds ahead. But there's a scene where Gordon has uh, people over for dinner, and he plays he plays a Hitler album. And it's, like, it's so loud, and it's just Hitler screaming. And oh, it, it's so – but it's, it, it, it's good because it, it works for the show. And it just yeah. shows you what a fucking psycho he is, but it's it's like oh my god, it's it's a pretty good deal, um, and I or a pretty good show so far. Like I said, we've watched uh, two, but I think one of the lessons that people can take from this show, specifically this one, I mean, it's these two men, and I, I don't I can't remember the name of the guy uh, Woody Harrelson is playing, but these guys yeah, were pre- they were specifically hired as dirty tricksters. Yeah. So, you know, they, they go and they get blackmail and, you know, they they were trying to bug the DNC and all of the, they are just and it's like it show the language is very similar because you're hearing the, the radical left. You know, this is back mm-hmm. in the 60s with Nixon. And I just look at these Republicans always get it wrong. They always get it wrong. They always fuck up the economy. They are. Yep. They are so fucking selfish, and it's you know I'm I'm saying I'm being very general here because obviously there are people who are Republican who don't necessarily have these qualities, but for the most part, and specifically as a political party, they yeah. have done so much damage. Imagine how far we could go if they weren't if 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 both parties were really concerned about making American lives better. Okay, we mm-hmm. might have differences. Of opinion about how that might be, but if they were, if their true goal, but that's not their true goal. Their no. true goal has become so corrupt and disgusting now that they've basically turned into Nazis. And it's, yeah. I hate saying it, but it's just the truth, and it's terrifying. Well, and it's also like what what you're saying about like the Republicans coming in and screwing everything up. Half of every Democratic administration, it seems like, is to go in and fix the mess that the Republicans have made. I mean, that's what, you know, Clinton came in after the 80s yes. recession and, like, turned the economy around. We went from having a deficit to a budget surplus. You know, I, I remember the 90s. That was when I graduated from college and, like, <laughs> I got out of college and, like, jobs were great. You know, life was great. It was, I mean, it was just awesome. You know, things were moving in the right direction. Bush comes in, we end up in a war that we shouldn't have been in. We end up with uh, the housing market blows up and destroys the economy. Obama has to come in and clean that up. And he spent the first part of his, the first few years, you know, cleaning that mess up. Well, we get Trump and now Biden's been cleaning up Trump's mess. You know, we're still, we're still cleaning up his mess. This whole debt ceiling thing is Trump's mess. That's been left behind because the Republicans had to do tax cuts Mm -hmm. for their rich friends. It's just so upsetting. I'm so sick of this shit. And I'm going to say it again because I've said it many times on the show, but I think it was 2021 or 2022. I can't remember which year. But Kristen Johnston, the act- actress, said, so I guess we peaked in the 90s. <laughs> it's like, I don't oh, like that. I don't that. want to think that. <laughs> I don't either because, you know, I mean, you could take last night. I'm not the biggest fan of Joe Scarborough, but, you know, he was on uh, the 8 o'clock hour on MSNBC Yes. And he had, is it John Haleman? John Fetterman. Was it Fetterman? No. The In the first block, when he interviewed, I don't remember anybody's name, but Heilman? John, John Heilman. Heilman. John Heilman. He's the one who does the circus on Showtime. Yeah, and he's awesome. I love him. Yeah. And then And then the other guy who I can't remember his name, Anand? Is it Anand? Yeah, Anand. Anand. 
yeah, I can't think of how to, his last name. It's it's one of those it's ones. I'm, if G. I try to yeah. if I try to say it, I'm going to fuck it up. So exactly, I'm not me too. Say it. But Anon had said, um, you know, in the beginning, of the o- the opening of the show, you've got uh, Joe was talking about the civil rights movements and all you know, black and white photos of the progress that we've seen in this country, and so Anon said something, you know, referencing that, and he said, you know, basically what people. Because there, the question is, how do we get out of this? Um, where you've got all these, you've got all these people who are, let's say, you know, for uh, abortion and against just owning guns with no regulation and all. We, like the country is basically coming together and uniting on these, but our government is not accurately li- or is not listening to us. It doesn't reflect what the people want. All that, and so. Anand had said something really interesting, and he said, people, when you, when all you sell is fear, when liberals are like, ban guns, ban guns, get rid of the guns, all that does is make a lot of people who are kind of neutral feel afraid. And when people feel afraid, they get pushed to the right. And he said, usually what kind of makes them feel good or at least move in a positive direction is hopeful feelings. So try to, in your arguments, persuade them to imagine a country where your kid can go to school and feel safe, where you can go to the grocery store and not worry because now it's getting to that point. You know, at first it was like, you're worrying about your children in school. That didn't seem to move the needle for the Republican party. It did for the rest of the country. But it did not for the Republican Party because they're just getting funded by the NRA. But it's yeah. like I, I, I'm, I'm, I really thought about that because Jamie Harrison was on my show and he was saying, you know, Democrats, they need hope. And, 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 and that, that's what keeps them going and that's what motivates them and inspires them. But at the same time, you know, we had Obama in office and they didn't show up for him. Liberals just stayed home in the midterms. And unfortunately, the Republicans got control. And so... It, it doesn't always, the hope thing isn't enough. I think it's a combination of let's scare people by telling them the truth, but then offer them the solutions that Democrats have. And so, you know, I'm thinking that Democrats need to, like, I think Rachel Bittacoffer does a good job of, you know, going, here's the scary shit, but here's the shit that will solve it. And, yeah. and, and, and I just think as a people, generally people, you know, are, are mostly motivated when they're afraid because when they're comfortable, they just, they don't do anything. And so, but I mean, we're at a place right now in this country where I feel like, I don't feel, I don't want to know how you feel about this, but it's like, okay, if I have to go to the grocery store, it's not the first thing on my mind, like, oh my God, I might get shot. But I was in the grocery store the other day and I was near where they have the balloons for the flowers and a balloon popped. And the very first thing I thought was gun. But then yeah. I quickly realized, like literally under a second, I realized, oh, okay, it was a balloon. But yeah. the first thought I had was a gun. And I mean, how does it feel for you? And you're a gay man. I mean, I know you live in West Hollywood, but you're a gay man. So there's a certain amount of stress you have to deal with just because you're gay, even though you live in a blue state. Um, and then on top of it, we've just got random gun violence. So it doesn't matter what skin color you are, what sexual, you know, what you are sexually, nothing. That doesn't matter. You could just get shot. How much more do you think about this than like say you did 10 years ago i mean i it 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 does weigh on you and and this may be me being slightly um um thinking more than i should of myself when i say this but like one of the things i've always looked at is i am a six foot four Hmm. man who's very tall yeah and i always think that if somebody is going to pick on somebody or go after somebody i'm not their target yeah that's true i agree with you so uh, so i there there is there is something that comes with that there's like a, a level of confidence that comes with mm-hmm. that but at the same time i i am nervous and i you know i i you know i, I worry about my friends my husband like one of my friends was on the um the subway here um he goes in early for work he actually i drop him off at the subway and he takes a subway down to downtown every morning wow. he was sitting on the train watching something on his phone and someone grabbed his phone right out of his hand and ran off the train and he went chasing after him and their friends started videotaping him calling him a crazy white man because oh he was God. chasing this girl who had stolen his phone wow and and so like you, you see stuff like that yeah. and it's like like stuff like that can happen there's been muggings in our in, mm-hmm. in my neighborhood and west hollywood's a very nice area mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I know. But there've been there've been muggings in the area, and it's and granted I'm in bed at nine o'clock, so I'm not out <laughs> when these muggings are taking place. <laughs> but yeah, and I mean, no, no, those things do concern me. Um, you were talking about being in the store where the the balloon popped over the holidays when I was up in Fresno visiting my mom. We were at a store, and. Fresno is much different than LA. Fresno is, mm-hmm. for people who don't know, Fresno is a very, very conservative part of California. And we were in a store and two people got into a fight. Like it was like, wow, you could hear them yelling aisles away. <laughs> and I turned and looked at my mom and said, we're leaving now. Yeah. We're getting out of the store because I don't want to be here if a gun is drawn. Right. Because that, the, yeah. that, that to me felt like a very real mm-hmm. possibility, especially in Fresno, because mm-hmm. people, people love their guns up there. Yeah, it's really it's just it's a different world. I mean, it's so different than in the 90s. And I and I find myself just feeling so nostalgic. And it's not just because I'm old. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to be 55 in July. And I think it's kind of natural. I know when I turned 40, I, I was just like hit with all these it was so weird. I was hit with all these memories from my youth and I wasn't yeah. seeking them out. They were just kind of like bombarding my brain and I was remembering this and remembering that. And it, it was great. You know, I mean, I was enjoying it and yeah. I didn't mind turning 40, but it's like, it just, you know, the nostalgia now is not just for younger days. It's for freer country, for more comfortable democracy. And it's not to say, that everything is perfect it's kind of like twitter right where yeah before before elon twitter had its problems but most of it was fun and yeah. that's how i think it was i mean america absolutely the 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 racism thing the patriarchy thing it was all there but it just and i've said this so many times i just said it to my father over the weekend like i grew up with sesame street and free to be free to be you and me the whole message that i got was hey we are a progressive society, and even though we may not rush, you know, get Medicare for all in five seconds and all of that, that's where we're headed. That's where we're going. It's going to yeah, eventually it's get moving to in that. the right direction. Yeah, and it felt that way, and now it just and now I'm not sure where it's going. And you know, when when Biden won in 2020, we all thought, I think, for about five minutes, oh, okay, we we got this. But then one six happened and there's so many other things on top of it and all this gun violence and there's so many fucking guns. And even if they did a ban on all guns, which is not going to happen, there's still all these people that have guns. It's not like gun violence is going to stop. And I just don't know how we steer this ship. The only thing I can hope, and this is what I was going to ask you for the last question, um, is like, what do we have to be hopeful about? But I'm just going to throw in my thing, which is, I I think because abortion rights were overturned and young people are recognizing that Republicans are creating a hellscape for this country, I think we've got a huge advantage with young people and women. Um, yes. They have been showing up more, uh, specifically young people. Um, they've been showing up more, I think, since 2020, maybe even 2018. And I don't believe that that momentum is going to slow down in any way. I think it's only going to get bigger because the Republicans are going to continue to behave like freaking hyenas. And yeah. they're just going to see all of the the rights that they've been enjoying either stripped away or threatened to be stripped away. So that's kind of what gives me hope. And I'm terrified of whatever's going to, you know, like the, oh my God, election night in 2024 is just going to be, I, I think I need to be sedated. But yeah, it's gonna be, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be rough. It's going to be scary. I, I am nervous about that too. And, and you know, to, to what you were saying about, um, you know, this, this generation, you, you were saying earlier that like, you know, fear is a motivator. Well, right now we do have fear as a motivator on our side because, yeah. you know, women's rights are being taken away. Mm-hmm. You know, they're threatening, to, I mean, they're threatening to take away gay marriage. I mean, all of this stupid, insane drag queen ban mm-hmm. nonsense I mean, just nonsense. Like, like, I cannot find any example of a drag queen raping a child. I know it just doesn't happen. I can find plenty of examples uh-huh. of the Boy Scouts and of churches uh-huh. and you know Republican politicians doing this. Mm-hmm. And police, but I can't, yeah, I can't find that. And 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 to what you're saying about like the the, the youth vote and the turnout and stuff like that. I, I do think you're right. I think 2018. The one thing I will say Donald Trump did was I think he woke up. Mm-hmm 
a massive amount of the population to how important it is to get out and vote. And that's why we we saw the the victories that we saw in 2018. Mm -hmm. Those carried through into 2020 and even in 2022 when people said that this is all, you know, this is going to be a bloodbath. Mm -hmm. You know, people turned out. And I think that Democrats have and progressives and liberals and whatever you want to like classify yourself as it has woken them up that these things are under threat and we have to, the only way we can fix it is to get out there and vote. And thankfully we've been seeing high turnout since, you know, since Trump's election in 2016, we've seen huge turnouts for, you know, midterms, the general, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to keep that up with the primaries. We need to, I think Democrats need to be more focused on like the down ballot local Mm -hmm. races too. And I think that, that, you know, like, you know, our friend Carl Frisch, you know, running for school board, those things matter because it's like these school boards are where they're trying to like turn back education. I remember like years ago, there was a story about the the school district that I grew up in, um, in Fresno, it's the Clovis Unified School District. Fresno and Clovis are like two towns right next to each other. But the Clovis Unified School District, they were going to roll back such sex education to teaching abstinence only. And this was like in 2012. Wow. Like, so kids that were in school 20 years after I graduated from Mm -hmm. high school were learning less about sex than I learned. Right. You know, in the 80s and 90s. That blew me away that, you know, that that, that's the direction that's going in Mm -hmm. some of these places. So, you know, I, I do think that people have woken up and they realize how important it is for us to get out and vote and how important it is to, you know, not everyone's going to watch the news every day like you and I do, mm-hmm. but people are paying attention and they are aware. I mean, like my mom was never a political person, mm-hmm. but now she, you know, she's always like, she, granted, she gets most of her opinions and news from The View, mm-hmm. which is not the worst place <laughs> right. in the world because right. at least like it's on the right side of most of the, the yeah. issues. Interesting, <laughs> but but it's um but you know she, but that that to her is like she doesn't watch MSNBC or CNN or yeah. Fox for that matter, so to like see people arguing about issues and it's you know everything usually comes out on the right side on that mm-hmm. or the the, the 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 progressive liberal side. Yes, yeah, so, and you know, you know yeah. I just want to just throw in there Claire McCaskill last night was talking about in her red state that she's hearing from Republican moms. You know, I want mm-hmm. my kid to come home safely from school. And so yeah. I think that that, you know, I mean, as much as it's upsetting that there are women that would still vote Republican, you know, and some some, some of those women base their votes strictly on abortion. But, yeah. you know, if they are pro-life, as they say they are, then they want their kids to come home from school alive. Yeah. And, and so as much as, you know, I mean, I, I hate that it takes extremism to wake people up but i think i think that that is the benefit of the extremism is that a lot of people who are just you know figuring oh well it'll all get worked out and i'll just ignore everything they're realizing oh i i I guess i have to show up i have to vote and it's actually helping democracy but every single election is such a nail biter i mean when i was on mary i was on mary trump's show um on election night and I was fully optimistic up until then. And then, of course, I got that's why I'm so afraid about 2024, because I believe the same. I mean, if we're going to continue seeing, you know, positive, optimistic numbers coming from people like Simon Rosenberg and Christopher Boozy, who have, you know, they were correct and they made um, political predictions that actually came true in 2022, as opposed to all these bullshit, you know, Republican polls that were saying there was going to be a red wave. Um, yeah. As long as there's that energy out there that looks like we're going to, I will stay optimistic, but then I guarantee that night I'm going to be a fucking mess again because I was a fucking mess. And poor Bob, I just completely lost my shit on him. And I'm like, oh, this is why I don't like Earth. <laughs> you know? and he's like, he didn't even know what to make of me because I was like, it's like he, I think he thought maybe I was suicidal. And it's like, no, I'm not suicidal. I'm just dramatic. And I don't like, I don't want this place to turn into an autocracy where Republicans are going to be like basically like prison guards. And yeah. um so poor Bob, but fortunately, and you know, he told me early on, he's like, Hey, look, I think, I think we're going to pull out of this. And I was like, no, we're not. But we did. So, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm always, I try to remain hopeful at all times. Yeah. 
about these things. But yeah, no, I, I, I get scared and I see stuff where it's like, oh, this is this is slipping yeah. in a direction I don't want us to go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, well, Christopher Boozy did predict yesterday that Biden is going to win. And he said, I have made accurate predictions years ahead of time. <laughs> so save this tweet. And I'm like, all right, I will, because I want you to be correct on this. And I um, he just needs to stay healthy and everything needs to go, you know, well. And I think we do have a good shot. Like so to leave this show on an optimistic note, I do think that at least where we stand today and we have a lot of time in front of us, but where we stand today, I think what the Republicans are doing is digging their own grave. And I don't know what will happen. Well, you know, what's going to play out in the Senate and the House? I'm not sure. But I think at least with the presidency, I think we're going to I think we're going to prevail there. I'm just going to go ahead and make that assumption. <laughs> I feel that way. And I, I feel like we have a really good chance of the House, too. I feel yeah. like we have a I mean, as close as, as much of a blowout as it was supposed to be this year. And it wasn't. Yeah. And I think when people see how dysfunctional the House Republicans are and how they cannot get yeah. anything done, it was like it was killing me. My cry was saying, promises made, promises kept. We came out and we did this, this, this and this. And it's like nothing you did is a law. Nothing yeah. you did is going to get through the Senate. Yeah. Nothing you did is going to go into effect. So you proved to be ineffectual and feckless, mm -hmm. Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think that we have a really good shot of getting the House back. And Mitch McConnell did an interview um, with um, CNN yesterday where he said that it's going to be tough wow. for the Senate. It's going to come down to um, candidate quality. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Trump can really fuck up for him. Yes. You know, he, he screwed him last time. And, you know... The, it's the the Republican primary voter mm -hmm. tends to go to the most extreme candidate. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like you said, hopefully they're going to burn their own party to the ground with this. Yes. Uh, and it's like, please just fucking learn already. <laughs> yeah. I know. Because, I mean, it's like it, 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 I, 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 we keep saying it feels like they're in their last dying gasp. Yeah, I know. And they get violent as they as they go. <laughs> and we've seen that, you know, the last couple of years. But uh, I, I really do think, cause like, I think this is what everyone's saying is like, they've got to be getting tired of losing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just I know call, start, they call are. Them, call them losers. Call them what they are. They're losers. Mm -hmm. They're losers who have no policy ideas. They have no plans. They have no idea how to lead anymore. So, <laughs> you know, let, you know, loser. Yeah. Just call them out for what they are. They've got, they've got nothing. They've got, they've got no platform. I mean, the party barely had a platform to run on. Yeah. I know. You know, when Trump was in charge, he didn't want to have a platform no, they because don't want then you can't pin anything on it. Yeah, they, they just want to be autocrats that are powerful yeah. and wealthy, and the, and the rest of us can go fuck ourselves as far as they're concerned. So, yeah. Well, they can go fuck themselves as far as I'm concerned. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I am going to end this now, and I just want to say that, first of all, my mind, like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm a little out of it today. I want to have you back on when I'm a little more clear. Plus, then I got totally like so into the E. Jean thing. And I, yeah. think, I still think we had a good conversation. But, oh, no. Um, and I, I think I just saw something where they said that they've awarded her $5 five, million. Yes, $5 million. Yes, so it is. So, it's $5 million. I mean, it, we, we had $2 million early. Now we're at $5 million. I know. So Woohoo. <laughs> anything, anytime Trump has to write a check for that kind of money yes. makes me happy. I know. Me too. And he lost. Loser. He's a loser. He is a loser. He, he just, just like the rest losing. of the Republican Party. Are you tired of all this losing? <laughs> I, you know what? I have not had enough losing. I, 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 I've got room for a lot more Republican losing. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, um, I'm definitely going to be inviting you back. I just think you're such a sweet and warm person. And I've always, you know, whenever I've been on the Stephanie Miller show, I've just had such a good time. You guys make it a good, easy time. So, I'm glad that you have fine. I finally remembered to invite you. And Bob's always saying you should have Travis on. And then I would forget. <laughs> so it's like... Seriously, anytime. And it's, and, and you just happened to catch me on like going into a vacation week. The last time right. you asked. normally <laughs> yeah, I would, I would, I, you know, in a heartbeat, if you ever Aww. need somebody to just pinch it for you, if you're, if you need a guest the last minute, don't hesitate to, to reach out and call. Cause it was, it's, I love talking about this stuff, and it's yeah. it is the first time I've ever I like actually got to have this long of a conversation with just you without Stephanie interrupting. Exactly. Me. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, it it was it's fun, and I, I joke around. There's so many people like you who I've never met in person. Yeah, I feel like I know you so well I after know. all this time, I know. especially through Bob and stuff. But like, 
I'm due for a trip to DC and I can't wait to come out there and see you guys. Oh my God, that would be so much fun. I definitely want to do it. And now I'm, I'm getting a little bit more comfortable without the mask, even though it's scaring me. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that because, you know, as you know, Jody and Amanda came out back in, uh, October, was it? Yeah. And so just to see us, we couldn't believe it. Um, but we, you know, they came to our house because we're like, we don't go anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) But I think, um, moving forward, we're, we're getting a little bit more loose about that. So, That'll yeah, be fun it's, if it's, you come out it, to DC. It's a, it's a comfort level thing. I remember the first time I went somewhere and didn't have a mask on, and it was very, very odd to me. Yeah. And I'm, I, I don't know if I'm getting relaxed about stuff these days, but I, the fact that Dylan and I have not gotten COVID a second time just blows my mind. Wow. When, wait, uh, just before before I let you go, when did you get COVID the first time? Uh, what well, was when all of us on the show got it, um, oh. going into um, Christmas That's vacation right. of twenty. 20 it was right after the okay. election so it was like right before vaccines were available mm-hmm. and um and uh, all of us on the show got it basically at the same time wow um and like i said I've, i mean last year memorial day weekend we were out in palm springs with friends and outdoors and at parties and stuff like that but we were staying with a friend mm-hmm. and eight people we know got it our friend that we were staying with who rode out there with us mm-hmm. and rode back with us got COVID while we were in Palm Springs and was riding in the car with us. And Dylan, and I still didn't get it. Oh my God. Yeah. And my mom went to a wedding last year and stayed with her friend. Her friend got it. My mom came home and then like, I don't know, two or three days later, her friend tested positive, but my mom didn't get it. And her, and my friend and her friend's husband who slept in the same bed with her didn't get it. Now, yeah. I don't know if that's because he's one of those people just will never get COVID or if his vaccine was just, it worked you know, it was better on him than it was. I don't know what the reason was, but interesting. It's so interesting how that all works. But yeah, uh, you know, I, and I, I said this on my patrons only show, but I went antiquing with my father and on, on Saturday and there was like nobody there. So I thought, all right, I'm going to not wear my mask. And then I started feeling sick. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I have COVID now. I mean, you don't get COVID immediately, <laughs> but right. in my head, like it's that psychosomatic thing. I'm not uh, used to being outside without a mask or out in public. I think we're all going to be living with the effects of this on mm-hmm. us for a long time. And it's yeah. like you said, it's like, even if like I have a sniff or my nose, or even if you just cough, like, if, like if I'm like at the gym and I cough, I'm thinking, no, don't, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm right. just, I just got some phlegm. That's exactly. all it is. <laughs> it's just post, post nasal drip. It's just the I need, I, need, I need to use my neti pot. I didn't use my neti pot last night. It's on me. It's not COVID. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter at the Real T Bone, and on uh, Instagram, I have two accounts. One is called uh, is at Trav Prime, and that's just me posting pictures of little Lego figures all over the place. <laughs> and uh, then there's the one and only T Bone, and that is my um, that's like my main one. Like if we have guests on the show, when they could come in studio with us, or you know, cocktails that I make here at the house. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm also doing um, I'm working with a site out of New York called Queerful. I want to give them a plug because they're just getting a site up and running now, but I've been doing, I'm their, their political uh, commentator. So I've been doing videos for them and writing a lot of articles for them. And their whole idea is it's a, it's a, it's a gay community website that um, tries to focus on the positive and action oriented um, results. So it's um, that's, that's, that's a lot of fun. It's really fun to work on something where it's, you're trying to have an optimistic point of view and trying to, Hmm. you know, keep things positive. So I've, I've really enjoyed doing that. So I'm kind of proud of that lately. That's awesome. And that's, and that's Queerful.com. That's the website. Queerful.com. That's awesome. All right. And then, of course, I am author Kimberly on Twitter, L-E-Y. And then on Spoutable, I am Kimberly Johnson. My books are on Amazon. Travis, I adore you. Thank you for coming on, and we will talk again. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.